Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. Have you ever had this experience where you're cruising down the highway and then you notice across the median on the other side that all the traffic going the other way is backed up? Um, It's backed up on the other side. It's barely moving. and, And as you continue to drive, you realize it's backed up as far as the eye can see, right? Coming the other direction. And you say, oh, I'm so glad we're not going that direction, right? Poor people, lucky for us, we're going this way. There's nothing like a wide open road, smooth, wide, little traffic, except except when that wide open road is not taking you where you want to go. So now imagine another scenario. It's World War One. You're in France. The front, the fighting is just a few miles away. You can hear the explosions. It's bombed out. It's bleak. The conditions are dangerous. There's barbed wire, craters, explosions, enemy fire and shelling, perhaps even poisonous gas. And civilians are fleeing away from the front. They are trying to get away from the danger and away from the destruction. And you are fleeing. And so you pack up what you can into your car and you start your car and you drive to the main road. And one way, the road is clear and it's open and it's free. But it's heading to the front. The other way, the road is crowded. There's tons of traffic. It's all the people who are also fleeing. Which way are you going to choose this time? Do you want to be on the easy road or on the hard road? It all depends on where the road is going, right? Here's the thing. We'd all prefer the easy road when possible. But how easy or or how hard the road is gets outweighed by where the road is going and if it will get you to where you want to go. Where the road is going is more important than how easy or comfortable the trip will be. That's the point that Jesus is making in today's passage. Can we take that down? Not that he's not cute, but... (laughs) Um, Jesus knows everyone prefers the easy road, the wide, broad road. It's much more pleasant to travel on. But he says, remember, there's another consideration. There's a more important consideration, and that is where the road is taking us. Where the road is heading outweighs how easy or hard that road is to travel every time. Or or at least it should. Unless we're fools. Unless we're happy to go to our destruction, as long as the road is easy getting there. Now, let me start by saying that that what Jesus believes about where the roads of life lead is quite different from what our culture believes. Our culture today tends to believe one of two things. One, many believe that all roads in the end lead to the same place. Some would see that place as nothingness, that uh, this life is all there is, and when you die, that's the end. There's nothing after it. Others would, would see that one place that all roads lead as some sort of better place, whether they call it heaven or they call it paradise, 
that's where all basically, uh, that's where all um, people go. And uh, we're all basically good people. And so things will work out for all of us in the end. We will somehow all find our way to that better place. We'll be set free from the, the suffering and the struggle of this fleshly existence. And we'll live on in a freer, truer, better way. So that's one common belief today, that all roads lead to the same place, whatever that place may be. The other common view today is that the broad road leads to the better place. That there is more than one place we can wind up. There's a good place and there's a bad place, but it's the wide road that leads to heaven. After all, God is merciful and most people are decent people. And so as long as we aren't totally evil, we will all be all right in the end. Well, Jesus doesn't agree with either of these two views. Jesus claims something quite different. Jesus claims that the broad road, the popular road, actually leads to destruction. And that he's come to pave a new road, narrow and hard though it is, that this new road alone will lead us to life. And so if where the road is heading is more important than how easy the road is to travel, then according to Jesus, we had better take the narrower road. So let's unpack what Jesus has to say here a bit. Let's make sure we understand what he's saying and why he believes it to be true. Jesus talks about two destinations where the roads of life can lead us. One he calls destruction, and the other he calls life. Destruction or life. Destruction is an option, according to Jesus. And we've already seen this earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. If, if you remember, if you've been with us this past fall and winter, we've seen it repeatedly, in fact. Often Jesus has alluded to it. He's given us metaphors for it. For instance, Jesus talked back in chapter 5 about salt that lost its saltiness. And he said that such salt is good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Destruction. Later, Jesus um, also uh, addressed those who fail to develop a habit of of living in, in peace and love and forgiveness and reconciliation in the relationships. And Jesus talked about, in that context, getting taken to court by your adversary And not reconciling with them on the way. And he said, if you don't reconcile, you will be handed over to the judge, to the officer, and led away to prison. Then later still, in chapter 7, Jesus told us not to judge. And he warned us that if we use a strict measure, a critical measure, in judging other people, God will judge us with that strict measure too. So all of these are metaphors, they're they're pointers toward this idea of destruction. But then, back in chapter 5, in one place, Jesus, also in the Sermon on the Mount, gave a much more specific description of what that destruction looks like. He used the word Gehenna, which is often translated hell in English. Gehenna was a valley outside of Jerusalem. And by the time of Jesus, it had become Jerusalem's garbage dump. The way it happened was that hundreds of years before, child sacrifices had taken place in that valley. 
And in an effort to discourage them from continuing, one of Judah's kings had desecrated the valley and turned it into a garbage dump. And it came to be known in the Jewish imagination as the place that you ultimately wound up if you didn't end up with God in paradise. The bad place. Thrown on the garbage dump of of history, of humanity, worthless, useless, defiled, damned. Destruction. Jesus believes there is a road that leads to destruction. Yet Jesus also believes that there's another road, a second road, which leads to life. In fact, Jesus came to make sure we found it. As we've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, we've also heard Jesus talk about this destination. In fact, Jesus started off his Sermon on the Mount by focusing on this destination of life in his Beatitudes. Remember, he said, blessed are those who, eight times. And remember, we saw that this Greek word, often translated blessed, can also be translated happy, fortunate, or even as one preacher suggested, lucky bums. (laughs) To be blessed is to live the good life. To live among the fortunate ones. And so eight times Jesus pointed us to that life. And then he began talking later in the Sermon on the Mount about rewards. That God is a good father in heaven who has rewards in store for those who, he gave the examples of, who pray, who fast, who care for the poor. Not to get kudos or respect from other humans, but simply to please their father in heaven. Such people, Jesus said, will be rewarded by my Father in heaven. Jesus also urged us to be wise and to store up treasures with God in heaven rather than on earth where moths corrupt and thieves break in and steal. There is a road to life. There is a road that leads to heaven with all the treasures and the rewards that can be stored up there. But also don't miss this. Jesus was quick to point out that this life, this good life that Jesus points us toward, isn't a life we have to wait for the next life to begin enjoying. No, in fact, Jesus began his ministry by announcing the good news that this life, this kingdom of heaven, was already very near, breaking in, right at hand. Jesus had come to bring it. And so Jesus told us to pray to God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this good life, this reward, this kingdom of heaven is available in its fullness in the future for sure, but it's also breaking into the present as well. Even now, through Jesus, we get advances on this life. We get sneak peeks of it. We get foretastes we get down payments we get to experience this life now in part and fully in the future so life in all of its goodness and fullness is the second potential destination that the road of life can lead toward destruction and life two possible destinations that jesus lays before us I realize that for many, that claim in itself is countercultural. Jesus was not afraid to be countercultural in many ways. It's a countercultural claim that, that there are ultimate and eternal consequences for the choices we make. But it is what Jesus claims. 
And most of the people Jesus was addressing when he first gave the Sermon on the Mount would have agreed with him about there being two destinations. Here's what they would have found surprising, though. They would have found it surprising when Jesus said that the wide road, the open road, actually leads to destruction. See, most of Jesus' audience, when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, were were Jewish. And Jews at that time generally believed that most people go to paradise, or most Jewish people at least, go to paradise with God when they die. Unless they were really bad, really wicked, really unfaithful. Sure, there's always a few of those. But for most of us, they believed, being a Jew means we're God's people. And God's people, after they die, will enjoy new life with God in paradise. No, Jesus says. No, the broad road, the popular road, does not lead to life. It's actually the opposite. It's my narrow road that leads to life. The broad road leads to destruction. This would have been a huge wake-up call to Jesus' audience. And it should be a huge wake-up call for us as well. We should have seen it coming, though. Think with me for a minute about this. Jesus warned us right in the Beatitudes, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, that his way would be upside down and backwards. Blessed are the rich, right? No, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the happy, right? No, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the powerful, right? The influential. No, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, the merciful, the persecuted. Life is found on the narrow road. Jesus has been saying this all along. Jesus also told us that we needed to be countercultural. Remember, light in darkness, salt in meat, different distinctive. And so, Jesus went on, our righteousness, if we are going to follow Jesus, must exceed that of the religious experts of his day. The scribes and the Pharisees, they had external religion. But Jesus calls those who follow him to more than that. He calls us to internal heart change and transformation. Our hearts have to change on the inside. We must learn to live in right relationship with our brothers and sisters and to love even our enemies. We, we shouldn't only avoid the big sins like adultery and divorce, but even in our thoughts, we need to treat women and lovers with respect and faithfulness. We must, Jesus said, return evil with good and turn the other cheek and lend and give freely and be gracious even toward those who would take advantage of us. We must put aside the the temptation to store up treasures on earth and to store them up in heaven instead, caring for those in need and trusting our Father in heaven to take care of what we need. This is a narrow road, right? Anyone who's been here over the past months as we've been working through this together? I mean, just read the Sermon on the Mount and tell me how many people you know who are faithfully living this way day in and day out. 
Very few, right? And Jesus recognizes that, and that's why he calls it the narrow road. Here's what else Jesus recognizes. He he recognizes that we're all swayed and influenced by the crowd. So often, we, we think often unconsciously, well, if everyone's doing it, it can't be that bad. It's normal. In fact, even more so, it must be okay if everyone at church is doing it. Ann and I have had this, this conversation uh, where one of us is feeling challenged by some of the more demanding teachings of Jesus. And the other says, well, well don't worry. You know, we're already doing better in this area than most people in church. So relax a little. <laughs> and then we have to remind ourselves, it's not the other people at church who are our standard. <laughs> Or, or what we're to compare ourselves to. We're not supposed to judge them. Jesus is our standard. We're supposed to measure ourselves up against Jesus. You see, the Broadway is not just the way of the world. It's, it's not just what we see on TV. It's not just what everyone's doing out there in society. No, guess what? The Broadway can also be the way most of the church is going. Remember, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount to religious people, to people who go to church. And so when he talks about the narrow way and the broad way, he's comparing his way, the narrow way, to the broad way taught by the other religious teachers and influencers of his day, namely the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Their way was the popular way. The popular way in Jesus' day was was all about looking good when you showed up for worship. It was about keeping the religious rules, modifying your behavior to appear clean-cut and respectable in the eyes of other religious people. Even if inside, you hadn't really changed. You were selfish and spiteful. And Jesus is saying, polite, respectable, even holy, church-going religion is not the narrow way which leads to life. It's not. No, Jesus' way, the narrow way, turns our whole life upside down. It's a countercultural way. It requires a radical reorientation of our hearts. You see, here's what Jesus won't let us do. He won't let us say, well, I'm a Christian. I've asked Jesus into my heart. I've asked him to forgive my sins. And all that radical Sermon on the Mount stuff, well, that's okay for super spiritual people, but not ordinary people like me. I'm not like that. So I'll attend church. I'll give something when the offering plate's passed. I'll read my Bible at home. I'll try to be a nice, decent person. And I'm good. I'm heaven bound. Here's here's what Jesus says. (laughs) If you think like that, then you are on the broad way. Like so many other religious and irreligious people, that's not my way. My way leads to a cross. My way leads to life. My way's narrow. It's demanding. It's countercultural. It requires a wholesale heart change, a complete transformation of your life. Not all at once. It takes time. But it requires that. And I'll tell you why, Jesus says. Because I have come to start a revolution. To turn this whole world upside down. Right side up, actually. To replace hatred with love, war with peace, strife with reconciliation, 
So, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed even are the persecutors, Jesus said. Sorry, persecuted. (laughs) Why? Because, guess what? If you live this way, if you live on my narrow way, Jesus says, there will be friction. You will be swimming upstream. It, It will feel hard. It will feel narrow. But guess what? It's the only way to life. Do we believe Jesus? Life in the future, Jesus is saying, yes, but also life now. I'm bringing life, Jesus says. If you follow me, I will teach you how to live. I will teach you how to experience this life and how to share this life. And isn't this true when when you follow Jesus, that you get to experience this life now? Those who follow Jesus on the narrow way, we we know the purpose and the satisfaction of, that we experience of being part of an amazing purpose, a worthy mission bigger than ourselves. We, we know the joy and the, the contentment of, of knowing God personally and loving and being loved by the creator of the universe and the savior of the world. We know the peace of, of knowing we can trust God with our circumstances, even when they're hard, God will bring us through and care for us. We know the power of seeing God answer our prayers. We know the excitement of of risking and sacrificing for God and then seeing God come through and provide and protect. It's life. Tastes of that life now with much more to come. And so we have a choice because there are two roads. One is broad and open and easy, but it leads to destruction. The other is is narrow and hard, but it leads to life. So, where do we want to wind up? Destruction or life? Well, let me share practically what this has looked like for me to choose the narrow road at various points in my life, just to give some illustrations. One was um, picking a major in college. I went into college with a plan. I was going to get a degree in engineering and then go on and get a master's in business administration so I could get a job that made a lot of money. But then I met Jesus, and he invited me to walk with him on the narrow way and to discover real life. And I realized that while there's nothing wrong with being an engineer or a manager, making a lot of money just to be comfortable was not a goal that Jesus was in favor of. No, Jesus challenged me, in choosing a major, consider how you can best use your gifts to help people and to serve me. And so I changed my major. I changed my career plans. Again, not to say there's anything wrong with with being an engineer or even second best about it. It's just that I was seeking that path for the wrong reasons when I was an 18-year-old. And Jesus had something else for me. Another example of what it's looked like for me to to choose the narrow road. When I was in my 20s and hoping to meet that special someone, along the way, I met several great young women who I could have asked out, and maybe they would have said yes. Um, I found them attractive. They believed in Jesus. But when I looked at their values and how they spent their money and what they got excited about and preoccupied with and what they were pursuing most passionately in life, it was mostly about their own pleasure and comfort. 
and very little about God's plans for the world, like we see described in the Beatitudes. So I chose to pass, to not date, waiting for a woman who was more committed to walking the narrow way with me. A third example, what motivates me in my ministry? There there are plenty of pastors who are motivated by the goal of pastoring a big church and a prestigious church where they can make a comfortable salary, they can have lots of influence, notoriety, and be well-respected by their peers. And, And this one's a subtle one because who can argue with a big church and an influential ministry? And I'm grateful for many gifted pastors who God has used mightily in those sorts of ways. But it can be a wonderful thing. But, but if you're a pastor, then you know when you get together with other pastors, there's always a subtle tendency for everyone to assume that the colleague in the room with the biggest church is the most important person in the room. That person gets a little more respect. That person's voice counts for more. They're, they're a little more admired. And it's tempting to want that and to promote yourself, to take ministry positions as career stepping stones to ladder climb, not for the right reasons, but simply for ambition's sake. And so for me, the narrow road has meant to keep my eyes on what my priorities are supposed to be. Serving God, following Jesus, uh, reaching out, making disciples, using my gifts, helping others to use theirs as well. Again, at least for me, um, that's what the narrow road has looked like. And I I can tell you, and the reason I'm telling you this, just to give you some practical examples, hopefully not to toot my own horn, because I have plenty of failings and shortcomings. But it's to say that that each, in each of these cases, as I've made these choices to follow the narrow road, the result has been contentment, and joy, and peace, and love, and reward, and a closer walk and a deeper commitment with Jesus. It's been life. So how about you? Are you on the narrow road? And you know, road conveys the idea of a journey. And the Christian life is a journey. It's a process. Yet there are also key moments, key decision points along the way. And Jesus gives us one right here in today's passage, a key decision point. How does does he begin this passage? He says, there's a gate. Enter through the narrow gate. There's a narrow gate that leads to the narrow road. It's an unpopular gate. In fact, few find it. The gate, guess what it is? The gate is Jesus. (laughs) Jesus who is, is teaching and leading us on a very different path, a different way of life. Jesus who is painting a very different vision of what is worth living for in this world and what it will take for the world one day to know the peace and the love and the goodness and the flourishing that we all long for our world to experience. Jesus' way is very different from the way of the Pharisees and the other religious teachers of his day, and it's very different from the way of the world today, and even the way of many churches. 
It's a narrow way. It's a hard way. And yet it's a way which leads to life, to blessing, to peace, to reward, to treasure. And so I want to end with a challenge today as, as we, we're coming now to the concluding section of the Sermon on the Mount. The content is behind us. If you've been around the past few months, you've, you've had a chance to hear Jesus' vision and Jesus' way and Jesus' teaching. And so now it's time to ask ourselves, are we living this way? Are we following Jesus? Are we with him? on the narrow way. And if not, will we join him? Will we join him? Will we trust Jesus to be our guide, our life coach, our leader, our savior on the narrow way which leads to life? I'd urge you to make that decision because there is a gate which leads to that road. The gate is Jesus. The road leads to life And broad is the other road which the masses are taking that leads only to destruction. Jesus' way, narrow though it is, leads to life. And so what we gain will be worth far more than what we may have to give up. Think of it as being at those crossroads during World War I in France. The one way is before us. It's wide open. It's smooth sailing. But it leads to destruction. The other is slow and hard, but it's the way to life. And so if you haven't made that choice already, are you ready to choose? Here's what I find if you choose the narrow way. You can't do it. You can't walk the narrow way. Not in your own strength. Not in your own goodness. You're not good enough. At least I'm not. (laughs) not self-disciplined enough, not good-hearted enough, you will fail. And so if that's the only thing keeping you from it, don't let it keep you from it. Because guess what? The narrow way is also the way of grace, the way of empowerment. Jesus will forgive you. Jesus will walk alongside of you. Jesus will come close to you and help you. You'll learn to trust Jesus more. You'll learn to rely on his grace and forgiveness And you'll grow and you'll be transformed. In fact, Jesus will give you a brand new heart. Jesus is your savior on the narrow road. You don't have to do it on your own. Well, if you'd like to make that choice this morning, either for the first time, or maybe you've chosen it before, but you feel like you've wandered off the narrow road and you need to get back on it, Here's what I want to invite you to do as as we sing the closing song and I'll invite the band to come up. It's good when we put our body in the position we want our heart to be. (laughs) So um, if you'd like to choose to enter through the narrow gate or to remake that choice again, as a way of representing it, I want to invite you to kneel. As best you can, where you are, you might have to sit, you can kneel if you can, or you can come up to the front too if, if you'd like to do that. And just as we worship together this closing song, if you'd like to make that choice or remake that choice, I want to invite you to do that. And if you're making it for the first time, I'd love to talk to you about it afterwards.